We'll be in Daniel chapter 2 tonight. We're going to pick up where we left off last week as we are doing a series through the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights. Remember that chapter 2 opens with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream which troubled his spirit. He wanted his wise men to tell him what the dream was and interpret it. And if they didn't, he said, I'll cut you in pieces and destroy your house. Obviously, they could not do this. Their false gods could not do this. So Nebuchadnezzar became very angry. He was furious, the Bible says, and he commanded to destroy all the wise men in Babylon, and that now included Daniel and his friends. So Arioch, the chief of the executioners, he goes forth to slay all the wise men. But we saw last week how Daniel spoke with uh, Arioch with uh, counsel and wisdom. He did not blow up. He was not bombastic. He was not out of control. Despite the fact that his life is on the line, he's very calm and level-headed. And he talks to this man in a way that caused him to listen. We can learn a lot by the way Daniel handled this. And he gains an audience with the king as a result. Daniel desired of the king, if you'll give me time, I'll show you the interpretation. Woo. The other ones didn't even say, we'll show you. He said, I'll show you. <laughs> so this is quite a move of faith here by Daniel. But of course, when you're walking by faith, it's all really level. It wouldn't be like, this is a great thing of faith. This is just faith. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Daniel had already learned from chapter 1, put my faith in God, he's going to bless and honor. And so God was preparing him for this. We covered all that in past messages. So he, he goes and he says, I will do this. And how could he be this bold? Because our God is a living God. Amen. Not the false gods of the Babylonians that could not dwell with men. They even confessed that. But our God is a living God who is, is concerned about man. Concerned about His people. And so He does dwell with flesh. Doesn't He? And we even find verbiage like that in the Old Testament. He dwells with His people. And so Daniel can be this bold because he knows his God. And Daniel understood there's nothing too hard for God. And after Daniel spoke to Arioch in prudence, Daniel then spoke to God in prayer. He enlists the help of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And they ask God for His mercies to reveal this secret. And then was the secret revealed unto Daniel. He wasn't just living any old way and then it was revealed. He wasn't absent in prayer. He wasn't failing to live righteously. He wasn't failing to honor God. And then all of a sudden in a panic in some kind of a mad circumstance, God, I need... No, no, no. He had this faith because he had been walking with God. And he goes to God in prayer. And then God answers that prayer. And he reveals the secret unto Daniel. And this brings us to where we left off last week. Can you imagine how Daniel must have felt after receiving this answer? After being shown what the dream was and what the interpretation was. No man could do this. His life was on the line. Can you imagine 
how relieved, <laughs> how happy, how joyful he would have been. Well, his reaction is recorded for us. Look at verses 19 through 23 as we begin tonight. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with Him. I thank Thee and praise Thee, O Thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of Thee, for Thou hast now made known unto us the King's matter. We see in verse 19, Daniel received his answer in a night vision. And this was a manner in which God said, he would communicate to his prophets. In Numbers 12, 6, it says, And he, speaking of the Lord, said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. And I just highlight this just to emphasize once again that Daniel is, in fact, a prophet of God. And, of course, Jesus makes it absolutely clear because on the Olivet Discourse, as we call it, he refers to Daniel the prophet. And after Daniel received from God the dream and the interpretation, we see he immediately blesses the God of heaven. This word for blessed, it, it means to kneel in praise. His prayer has now turned to praise, and what a blessing when that happens. In verse 20, Daniel acknowledges that God is worthy to be praised forever and ever. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 3, it's entitled David's Psalm of Praise. And it says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. Hebrews 13, 15, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And you might as well just go ahead and get used to praising God. Right? I know some Baptist churches are going to be in shock when they get to heaven, especially those out west. Uh, they're going to be praised. They're going to be raising hands and shouting and praising and amen. amen. And we'll be doing that for all eternity. So just go ahead and get used to it. Amen. Even at this time, the seraphim which surround God are crying, holy, holy, holy. Amen. He is worthy to be praised. Why did Daniel recognize God is to be blessed forever and ever? Because, as he says here, wisdom and might are His, are God's. Now, aren't you glad we serve an all-knowing, all-powerful God? Amen. Our God, listen, He does not just possess wisdom and might. He is wisdom 
and might. Any wisdom and strength we may have, we must understand that it has been graciously extended to us as a blessing from the one who is the source of all wisdom and might. Remember in chapter 1, Daniel was found to be ten times wiser than all the other wise men in Babylon. In Ezekiel 28.3, it speaks of the wisdom of Daniel. But we see that Daniel was sensible enough to recognize that he possessed wisdom because it was from the God of heaven. Look at verse 23 here for just a moment. Daniel says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might. You see, he acknowledges this is from God. This is no merit on my part. This is just God being good to His people and in specifically being good to Daniel. Glance down at verse 30. Look at what Daniel says to the king. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. What's Daniel doing? He's recognizing that God is the source of his wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. He, he is our wisdom. Ephesians 1.17 That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You don't have to ask the internet. I'm not saying there's not good stuff out there, but go to God. Why? He gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it says, and it shall be given him, if you'll just ask. If you'll just ask. What did he say? You know, if you earthly fathers know how to bless your earthly children, don't you reckon your heavenly father knows how to do that even more for you? God wants you to be wise. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. It's crying out. Wisdom is crying out. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the opening of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words. But you have to be humble enough to ask for wisdom. That's a problem for a lot of people. Not only do you need to be humble enough, you need to be diligent enough to seek after it. Proverbs 2, 4-6, through 6, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures... Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And of course, Proverbs 4, 5 through 7. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So do you need wisdom? What a ridiculous question. <laughs> do you need wisdom? Yeah, you need wisdom. Amen. If you need wisdom, go to God. He's the one that provides it. 
You won't find true wisdom apart from God. You need to listen as wisdom is crying out. But you also need to be humble and seek for wisdom as for hid treasures. Proverbs 3, 13-15 Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. It's a fine treasure. You gotta dig. You gotta, you gotta mine. You'll find the same sentiment in Proverbs 8:11. Proverbs 16:16. 16, 16, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding rather than to be chosen than silver. To get God's wisdom, you must be in prayer. You must be in His Word. You must be walking with God. Proverbs 2.7, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. How about that? This is why Daniel receives the wisdom and might from God. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of the Word. We'll see that clearly as the book unfolds. And he was a righteous man who trusted God. Now we see in verse 21 why Daniel concludes wisdom and might belong to God. Look at what he says. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. This is a reference to the interpretation of the dream, which I thought we were going to get to tonight. And we'll see that he's talking about what was revealed to him. That the times and the seasons of the Babylonian Empire would come to an end. All the kingdoms that would come after would have their end. One king would be removed. Another would be set up. Listen to me tonight. Nothing is by chance with God. Amen. He is in complete control. His sovereign will is at work. Nebuchadnezzar is going to learn this the hard way, isn't he? Over in chapter 4. He's going to become like the beast of the field. And Daniel's going to say unto him in chapter 4, Until thou knowest that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever He will. God gives the kingdoms. God removes the kingdoms. Proverbs 8, 15 and 16, By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. God knows the end from the beginning. This vision of Daniel will span, or the vision that he receives is going to span hundreds of years, and depending on your interpretation, it's going to span longer than that. God already knew how everything would unfold because God is in control and He works out His purposes. This ought to, this ought to bring you comfort in the world we live in. Psalm 75, 7, But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and He setteth up another. You know, God already knows who our next president is going to be. He knows who really won the last election. All right. Let me take a sip of water. That's not in my notes. I just couldn't resist. God already knows the outcome between Russia and Ukraine. God already knows what's going to unfold between China and Taiwan. God knows what our future relationship with China is going to be. 
God knows the outcome of the war-torn countries in Africa. God has everything planned out in the Middle East. Luke 21, 9-10, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Our God knows. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. This is why God could say through Jacob to Judah, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. This is why God was able to say through Isaiah some 150 to 200 years before Cyrus was ever born. He could name Cyrus by his name. Isaiah 44, 28, That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundations shall be laid. Almost 200 years before he was born. This is why God was able to say through Malachi 400 years or so beforehand concerning John the Baptist and Christ in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. This is why the Lord could say through Paul when he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in Galatians 4.4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law. This is why John the Baptist could go forth preaching. Jesus could go forth preaching. The disciples could go forth preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is why Paul could write in anticipation in Ephesians 1.10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times that he might gather together in one all things in Christ which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. Listen, God knows the end from the beginning. Therefore... Let not your heart be troubled. You don't need to live in fear. Our Father has planned it all. Hallelujah. By the way, this applies to you as individuals. Our times are in His hands. He knows our tomorrow. He knows what lies ahead. He knows the day that He will call us home. So don't worry. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Moving on, we see again in the second half of verse 21 that it is God who gives wisdom to the wise. And any who have understanding got their knowledge from God, whether they recognize this truth or not. And many do allow themselves to become puffed up, don't they? This is why the Bible has to tell us, don't do that. Because people forsake God in the process. Professing themselves wise, they became fools. My favorite passage, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. 
Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. In verse 22, Daniel acknowledges God as the revealer of the deep and secret things. Daniel further communicates this by saying, God knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with Him. What is this saying? Nothing is hid from God. Why? Because our God is light. Man does not possess the ability in of himself to reveal the deep and secret things concealed in darkness. God asked Job in Job 38, 19 and 20, Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. You see, apart from God, we are in darkness. This is why people who refuse to acknowledge God can go to His Word and read it and get nothing. And let's face it, even with the Word of God, there are still things we are left in the dark about. I have spent many of hours the last couple of weeks trying to get into this dream and chapter 7, chapter 8 and all this. Uh, yeah, I'm still about the place where I started. Amen. All right. We'll have fun with that when we get there. Daniel, in fact, will touch on some of this before this book is over about how I want to know, but I don't. Even Jesus said to His disciples after He resurrected, just before He ascended, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Isn't that what we're reading about? It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. So stop stressing about it. You can cancel your subscription to all the news places. God's in control. Be informed. Okay, be informed. We can only gain what God reveals. All other conclusions are speculative and futile, really, to try and unravel. And I'm saying all this to set us up for later chapters in this book. Where the Bible is silent, we must learn to be silent. And stop building things off of suppositions. And so, in verse 22, Daniel is praising God for revealing what no man on earth could have known, and that's the king's dream and the interpretation. And Daniel ends his prayer of praise and thanks in verse 23 by saying, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto us, made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And so though they're in captivity, Daniel recognizes still the God of his fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had not forgotten His people who He had entered into a covenant with. And even in a foreign land, God would still act on their behalf, at least with those whose hearts were right with Him. And though Daniel is the one who led this prayer meeting, and though God reveals this secret to Daniel, we see Daniel's character here in that he joins in with the other three. He brings them in under this. 
he says of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, he says, what we desired of thee, amen, thou hast made known unto us, even though it was made known unto Daniel. It has been made known unto us. Daniel acknowledges how he owed thanks to those who had joined him in prayer. Don't forget those who are praying beside you, for you. Don't forget those who are helping you along the way. How often do we hear testimony of a wayward child to come to find out a mother's been praying for 20, 30 years? Thank God. You need to thank those. Matthew Henry noted, What honor God puts upon us, we should be willing that our brethren may share with us in. All right, let's go to verses 24 through 30. I'll cover these quickly. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret with the, which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts." Of thy heart. So in verse 24, Daniel does not take advantage of this occasion to have the otherwise men of Babylon destroyed. This would have been the perfect opportunity, right? He doesn't do that. And, and by the way, had they been in Israel, these should have been killed anyway, but they're not in Israel. Uh, Daniel's not in charge, and not to mention, Daniel and his friends are technically in the same company of these other wise men. They're sentenced to death. And let's not forget, listen to me now, that our God shows kindness to those who don't deserve it. Amen. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, love your enemies. But then He said this in Matthew 5.45, God maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. If we get rain tonight, it's going to fall upon those who are saved and those who aren't. That's the goodness of God. And Daniel knows that this is really an unjust command by Nebuchadnezzar to kill all the wise men. So he tells Arioch, destroy not the wise men of Babylon, which includes me, by the way. <laughs> destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. So while Daniel is not taking advantage of this situation to elevate himself, we see that Arioch does in verse 25. I would say in the interest of job security and in self-preservation for having disobeyed the king for not killing the wise men, Arioch takes the credit. I have found the one who can help the king. 
And I guess in a sense that's true. I mean, before the vision was revealed, he had allowed Daniel to go see the king. So in a sense, but, but still, do you kind of get the sense here that he's, he's taking advantage of the situation? And we see again how much confidence Arioch must have had in Daniel, this captive, to be able to trust him to do this. And it's interesting how God has orchestrated all of this because the one who helps the king is Daniel. It says, a man of the captives of Judah. Now, I, when, I like to step back, and, and I hope you do the same, but I like to step back and, and just ponder how God has led my life. Now, He's orchestrated things that I can now see that, oh, that's why He did that, or that's why He did this and allowed that. And we kind of see that here. God was not only punishing Judah in their captivity, but God knew He was going to give the king, this, this Babylon king, this dream, and that it was really fit for a child of God to be the one to interpret it because of what this, king is, what this dream is going to mean. We'll notice that next time. In verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar asked Daniel, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? And, and I wish right here we knew the attitude in which Nebuchadnezzar was saying this. Was it a hopeful question because he all of a sudden remembered Daniel was ten times wiser than all the others? Or is he being snarky? How is this young man a captive? How are you going to be able to show me this dream? First, we know this, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, For you see uh, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. By the way, that's... If you compare that to what I read earlier out of Jeremiah 9, it's, it's saying the same things here. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. No matter the attitude in which the king has here towards Daniel... Um, you got to love Daniel's response in verses 27 and 28. Daniel didn't take advantage of elevating himself, but he does take a, advantage of calling out the inability of the other wise men, doesn't he? <laughs> he, he, he gets his, his hit in. The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. You've got all these men on your payroll. Why can't they do it? Well, he's going to tell them why here in a minute. But there is a God in heaven. See what God's doing here? He's, he's orchestrated all this. I said this a few messages ago, but He's orchestrated all of this, this trial, so that He would get the glory. And He knew who to trust, a man who would minimize himself to magnify his God. And God, or Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. I've mentioned before how when we uh, approach trials, we will, we will see God in a way that we'll stop worrying about ourselves, right? We, I know some trials are very hard and they're very deep. I understand that. But when we start approaching them correctly, we'll have our focus right. And when we have our focus right, we're going to stay in tune with our God and, and we're going to understand that He does, in fact, control my life. He does order my steps. Now, you can be a knucklehead and do some stupid things, right? I don't think it'd be God's will to order your steps in front of an 18-wheeler going down the interstate. 
But when we're trying and we're walking with God the best we know how, He's ordering our steps. Look at verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom. I've already read this one twice, haven't I? We're going to read it a third time. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes they, that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thine heart. So Daniel doesn't take any glory to himself, but he glorifies the God of heaven as the revealer of secrets. And we should always be careful to direct all of the glory back to God. Take none for ourselves. Daniel gives the reason for this revelation from God as being for their sakes, the ones who are interpreting the dream. In other words, God did this because we asked Him to spare us. The, the sakes of those that are about to tell you this dream, us for, we prayed to God that He would spare us, and that's why God gave us this interpretation. But He also did it so that you might know the thoughts of your heart. Amen. So next time we'll move on to the dream and the interpretation by picking up. I, I skipped over verses 28 and 29. I want to just draw out a couple things there next week. Uh, as we move into the interpretation of this dream uh, in verses 31 and following. So for tonight, I just want to remind you, go to God for wisdom. Amen. Uh, take comfort that our God is in full control. Our God is never taken by surprise. Our God never changes His plans. He doesn't get up to the line of scrimmage and look at the defense and call an audible. He knows Someone has rightly said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Amen. Trust Him. He knows the end from the beginning. Let's pray.